This is a Podfire production. This podcast may have explicit themes and swearing and may not be suitable for children. The world is full of amazing people and once a week I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum and this is Awesome Humans. G'day everyone, Brett McCallum here and I'm the host of Awesome Humans, the podcast that brings together some of the most amazing people on this awesome planet of ours to tell us their stories. We have some laughs, a bit of swearing sometimes, some tears, but most of all it's all about them, who they really are. Welcome to Awesome Humans. I'm pretty excited about today's uh, Awesome Human because when I was a kid, my family tried to make me a Bulldog supporter. Uh, my family were all from Bankstown, my grandfather and his brothers all played for him. They coached there, and one of my first memories as a kid was meeting all the players in the dressing shed. Steve Mortimer, Steve Gearin, and those sort of blokes. Well, being me, I decided I wasn't going to follow the dogs, just really upset my dad at the time, so I had a little look around. At the time, ironically, my favourite player was an awesome winger from the Sharks. He played for New South Wales and Australia, and had a, uh, a nice little moustache too. He was an amazing football player, and he seemed like a really good bloke. His name was Steve Rogers, and uh, I had a poster of him on my wall as a child. So would I end up being a Shark supporter? Nah, no way. I'm a manly man through and through, and today brings me a lot of pleasure. Because when I did my research, as you know, I do a lot of research, into my guests, the first thing that come up was Manly Warringah Seagulls continued its impressive domination of the Steve Rogers Memorial Trophy at Cronulla on Sunday. Then the photo underneath it said, Matt and Don Rogers present, present Manly Captain Daly Cherry Evans with the Steve Rogers Memorial Trophy in honour of their late great father and Sharks Immortal. It was very fitting, and you'll find out why in a minute. <laughs> so when I uh, did some research on my guests, the first thing come up was that Rogers made his first grade debut for Western Suburbs in 1969, between 70 and 72, and I'm saying, shit, this is the wrong bloke. So I better look up a bit, a bit harder. <laughs> so I looked a bit harder and then realised that he made his debut for the Sharks. They both signed him and his brother on February 8, 1994, he played for the Sharks and then went on to the Western Reds and then I ran out of time so I didn't write any more stuff about that. But I met him at an open mic night last week, heard his story and asked him straight away to come on this podcast. Don Rogers, welcome to Awesome Humans. Mate, Brett, it's great to be here. This is actually my first ever podcast. That's exciting, mate. Con well, when, when we were talking, you hadn't actually been in, talking into microphones or singing or any of that sort of stuff um, for very long, so I'm glad I'm your... Uh, Breaking your podcast cherry. Yeah, mate. A nice little early shot across the bow, Manly and Cronulla. You like that? No. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> mate, let's start at the start. What's yeah. your first ever memory? How far back can you go? Well, mate, I've heard previous podcasts. Yeah, and I've heard I heard you cheated on this, so, eh? But I've, I was trying to think, and you know what? It's a, it's a tough question. It's a good one, too. Um, I guess some of my earliest memories was Dad on a Sunday morning sitting on the back stoop polishing his boots with yeah. that steely glare and not a word spoken and uh, that was just from you know three four years old you know dad getting ready for a game but I guess some of the fun memories I have is, are of after the games when dad used to have all the team over and blokes like Kurt Sorensen, Dane Sorensen, Nick <laughs> Mullane and you know Steve Edmonds and all. Just ran for a barbie. Yeah and they used to because <laughs> they'd get banded if they went to the pub so they used to come over and have the SP bookie on the phone and everyone having a pool party and I remember uh, the Sorensen boys used to grab Matt and I and we would have been probably four or five something like that, little tackers you yeah. know and they'd just throw us throw, throw, throw us to each other end to end of the pool and <laughs> yeah it was um it was a, it was it was good times. Good times yeah. back then. So, okay, how many siblings you got? 
Mate, I've got a younger, I'm the eldest, so Matt's two years younger than me. Yep. And uh, we have a younger sister who's two years younger than Matt, and her name's Melanie. And Melanie, okay. So Matt, a lot of people will know, obviously, um, rugby league player, rugby union player. Yep. And just, he's a, what's he doing now? He's a triathlete or something stupid, doesn't he? Oh, he does dabble in triathlon. Yeah. Getting too old for that stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, and doing great work in charity. Him and yeah. his missus do an amazing job there. Yeah. And what about your sister? What's she do? Uh, my sister's uh, living in Caratha in the Pilbara. Oh, wow. So when dad and the family were involved with the Western Reds over there, yep. we moved over as a, as a family. And um, Melanie met Shane, a, a sand groper over there, Shane Humphreys, and they uh, you know, ran off, got married, and she hasn't left the West since. Wow. Do you go over there much? I actually went to the Pilbara for the first time last Christmas. Yeah, how Amazing was it? Amazing place. Yeah, everyone says yeah, that. Incredible. It's one of those places, Pilbara, Broome, all that. I'd love yeah. to get over there. Yeah, it's incredible. Like just the, the landscape and the water and the fishing and the. Isn't it funny how. One country can be so different on both sides. Yeah. It's just, it just amazes me. And also the sun goes down on the other side. That's even weirder. Yeah, you watch the sun <laughs> set over the ocean over there. It's good. <laughs> it's bizarre. Yeah. Hey, um, tell me about your life. Where were you born? Mm. I was born in uh, Caringbar Hospital. So was Sutherland I. Sutherland Hospital at Caringbar, yeah. So was I. What um, yeah. what month? I was born in November of 1973. Oh, it was February 73. So same there year. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Same year, same hospital. There yeah. we go. There's yeah. a bond already. <laughs> what uh, first school? My first school was Engadine West Public. And this is going to be a long to, a, a long topic if we go into schools <laughs> because we moved around a lot, had a transient life as kids. With um, with school, were you good, bad? Were you naughty? Were you? Um, oh, <laughs> well, the first thing I do when I run into a teacher from my younger years is, is offer him an apology. I probably was a little <laughs> bit of a handful, but I don't think I was anything, you know, unlike any other sort of, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old boy that's just, you know, um, you know rambunctious and full of energy and yeah it was good it was good good times and how were you at school with dad obviously as a rugby league player and stuff like that were you treated a little bit differently um yeah good question not i don't think so really but or you didn't even notice yeah i didn't really notice i mean dad was just you know and dad played in an era where he worked as well you know so yeah yeah. um you know he worked a nine to five job and then trained pretty much every afternoon it's unbelievable Um, isn't it yeah you look back now yeah, and Dad had that work ethic with his training too. Like, you know, the compulsory training back in the 70s was Tuesday, Thursday. You play on Sunday. But my old man, even in the 70s, was training Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know? Wow. So he used to say to Matt and I, you know, like, you boys definitely aren't going to be the biggest. He goes, you might not be the best, but you can always be the fittest. Love that. You know, just and, that, and that's a work ethic that I guess is... It's part of my DNA now, you know. When I'm when I'm when I'm focused on something, just to put in the effort and and um, and that all come from Dad well, when you're a little yeah, tucker. Yeah, love did, that. Yeah. So Dad was uh, a winger. Uh, he was a centre. A centre was he? Yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Well, there I fucked that up at the, yeah, the start that. of that, didn't I? <laughs> anyway, but he um was he a big unit? Um, I guess yeah for for a centre in those days because it's not yeah. like centres these days. Like Dad was, you know. I mean, he moved from centre into five eight, and then into lock. Um, so he was he was he was a good utility, but he had a he had an amazing rugby league IQ. Yeah, you know, like he uh, coached uh, an A grade side I played at in Darwin, and and when Dad got into uh, sports administration, I always said, you know, Dad, you're on the wrong side of the desk, mate. Grab the clipboard and the whistle and get out yeah. there with the boys. You know, the what just the connection he had with his players and and his. Um, 
he'd be very specific when he gave um, individual instructions. Yeah, and he'd stuff, just yeah. give you three or four things to focus on, and and my football really really blossomed that year playing under Dad. You know. What um, when you were at school? Are you playing rugby league? Are you playing sport? Are you doing anything you possibly can? Yeah, in the early days I did, and then at about the age of I think it was m- maybe around eleven or twelve, I developed a, a bone disease in my ankles called osteochondritis. Oh wow! And basically, I wasn't allowed to run for like two years. And telling a eleven, twelve year old boy you can't, can't run for run, two geez. years, you know, it's like you know, and um, especially from you know. Being dad's son, that's all, all I wanted to do yeah, was yeah. run and chase and play with the footy and whatnot. Yeah. But um, so I kept running and they kept getting worse. And dad said, mate, if you keep running, we're going to put one of your legs in plaster to stop you. So I ended up with a cast on my leg for about six months. Just and, to stop uh, running? Yeah, yeah. It didn't <laughs> stop me though. I still played touch in it because there was nothing wrong with the leg. I just had a cast on it. <laughs> and what, um, so you said you moved around a lot, schools. Yeah, Why yeah. is that? Um, oh, dad just following his football career and how that panned out okay. and when it went into, um, like the year that when dad went to St. George in, I think it was 83, 84. Yep. Um, then he went back to Crow in 85 and had his jaw broken by Mark Bugden. That put him out for the whole season. And mm-hmm. then after that, that was when the Australian and the English seasons were alternate. Oh, okay. So Dad, in the off-season, went over to England to get fit because he wanted to make the fourth kangaroo tour that nobody at that stage had made. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, uh, 17 minutes or something like that into the first game over there, he broke his leg. And, oh, wow. And that, that was it? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, Dad always said, you know, I wish I was remembered uh, walking walking off the field, not walking out of a doctor's surgery, you know, yeah. which is fair comment, I suppose. No, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So when uh, he went to England, did you guys go with him? Or? Yeah, so we did, uh, uh, I did my first year of high school at uh, Fairfield High School in Cheshire. Oh, wow. And it's actually funny, Posh Spice was in my class. And I didn't oh, really? know that until only about a month ago. I, I ran into a guy that went there. He said, mate, you were a year younger than me. And I said, yeah. And he said, was this your home group? And I said, yeah, that was. He said, mate, Posh was in your class. And I went, oh, wow. <laughs> like Look at me go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dropping names That's early. ugly. I'll just <laughs> trip over the tickets on the way out the door. Um, but so you went to high school in the UK. Yeah. How did a young Aussie bloke, because I reckon you would have been Aussie as. Yeah, as well. You and you your know, brother and yeah. your sister. Yeah. And uh, would have been Aussie as. Dad's playing rugby league. Yeah. And uh, three Aussie kids going to school. Yep. How'd that go? Uh, mate, the first day was was weird. I couldn't actually understand the teachers because we moved to the north of England. Yeah, which and is a very, very weird accent. Yeah, and, like, and I think it was uh, as part of the curriculum there, they had religious studies like, you know, Christianity and yeah, whatever. Yeah. And we're there and I got called a heathen and to get outside because I wouldn't do the work. And I just couldn't understand what the teacher was saying. It took me about a week or two to work it out. And, yeah, we are pretty ocker, but uh, – um, yeah, it was good. It was it was a good time over there. Well, it's a good experience for kids. Yeah, going to do that sort of stuff 100%. for sure. Yeah. So when you're at school, are you thinking I'm going to be like dad and a professional rugby league player? Or are you thinking actually I'm going to go and be a builder or, well, or mate, what did you want to do? Well, mate, after we were in England, we came back to Australia, and then dad had complications with the leg, uh, had to be rebroken and reset and, and whatnot. And the doctors said to him, "Look, sludge, you can play, and the leg's strong, but if it does break again, you're probably going to lose it below the knee." So dad 
was sort of forced into an early retirement. Okay. So he literally came home one day, packed up the house and said, that's it, we're moving to the Gold Coast overnight. So we moved from Sydney <laughs> when we got back from England straight up to um, Broadbeach. Yep. Um, my mum's one of 13 kids from Miami. So we've got... 13 yeah, kids. Yeah. Wow. And then said there was no telly back in the old days. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we moved up to Broadbeach and um, Matt went to Broadbeach Public School. I went to Merrimack High School and we lived there for probably a couple of years and... You know, Matt and I have got a charity thing coming up that we're speaking at that uh, it's going to be good. And, and, and as part of that, I was thinking about my favourite period growing up and it was literally, it was it was like those two years. At, at How old were you? Mate, I would have been 14 and 15. So was that year I mean, eight? 1988 in... it was. I remember the 88 Expo. Was Mate, on, it, was, it was the Bicentennial, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Back so in I remember it was, uh, so, so you would have been in year like... 88, probably year 10. No, year 8, I think. Year 8, were you? Year 8, okay. yeah. What, um, from those times then, why was it so good? Was it just because it was different from Cheshire or well, because no, it was the Gold Coast? You know, we spent our life with Dad working 9 to 5 and then football yeah, on the weekends. And, yeah, and, and, and we were close, you know. We lived on a waterfront on the canals. Um, we had a little ski boat out the front, Panther Apartus, its name was. And Matt and I, we'd wake up at 4, 4.30 every morning, right up to Margaret Ave and check the surf. Yep. And if there was no surf, we'd turn around, ride home, wrestle Dad out of bed, say, come on, mate, take us water skiing. And we'd we'd water ski for like, you know, an hour before school every day or, or <laughs> surf. And they were just great times, you know, just to have Dad present and, um, you know, and got to connect with him over that period a lot more. And what about Mum? My mum. Tell is me the, about your uh, mum. Carol, her name was. Yeah. Amazing lady, my mum. She was literally the glue that, that held the whole Rogers unit together. You yeah. Know? And, um, amazing lady, amazing heart. And uh, How'd she go about moving all the time and sort of being the transient type? Yeah, mum, mum would have followed dad to the gates of hell. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and throughout their life at times, she often did. But Where'd they meet? Um, they met at Nobby's Beach, the oh, really? pinball parlour underneath yeah. Magic Mountain when that used to be there. Love it. And Dad was good mates with Gary, one of her brothers, and he orchestrated the whole thing. And, well, um, there's 13 kids, yeah. so you got to be a mate with one well, of Dad, them. Dad was too shy to ask Mum out. Mum was too shy to ask Dad out, and Dad was a good mate of Gary. So, <laughs> so Gary, Gary matched up. Yeah, yeah, I love did, that. Did a bit of, you know, Cupid. Yeah. It was, uh, so they got together when they were young. They were, they were like 16, 17. Oh, wow. And um, and just at the time when Dad's footy sort of took off, he played uh, when he was seventeen for the, the Southport Tigers, won mm-hmm. a competition up here. And then um, you know he got went down to Sydney, and um, he actually wanted to play for St George because our grandfather was a was a massive uh, Dragons fan. Oh, okay. One red eye, one white eye. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and Pop took him to St George first, and he was only seventeen. And St George, I forget who the the CEO at the time was, said, "Look, Steve, you're a little bit young. Go away for another year and come back when you're 18. So Dad sort of went stuff you drove over, drove over the bridge to the Sharks and played for Australia the same year and um, and you know the Saints were sort of chasing him ever so since. So he played for Australia at 17, 18? Yeah, I think he had his eighteenth birthday on tour. Yeah, that's amazing. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, what a great career. And that's where he got the nickname Sludge from. Was one of the early bonding sessions. Oh, was it? Yeah, because they, <laughs> apparently uh, Bob Fulton gave him the name at a bonding session. They were out drinking pints in yeah. England on tour, and Dad was only seventeen, so. He had three or four pints and <laughs> yeah. ended up sort of slumped over in the corner. And Bob Fulton came out of the bathroom and said, look at young Stevie Rogers. He looks like a heap of sludge. And <laughs> that's where it, it just, stuck. Yeah, yeah. And Love that. That's where it Love from. that. Okay, so when you go out and you're talking with your mates and mm. all that sort of stuff, or you catch up with people you haven't seen for a long time, yep. what's the best ever Donnie Rogers story? 
What's oh, your go-to? Wow, there's so many. <laughs> what's what's the one though? What's what's one you can tell everybody that that a um a really good Donny Rogers story? Um, oh mate, there's so many, but I guess the thing that's changed my life the most is my relationship with my wife Kaya. She mm-hmm. came into my wife life sort of you know seven or eight years ago, and um and my life did a complete one eighty, and and yeah, and it's uh. That's oh, man, tell us the Kaya story. <laughs> What do you mean? You want to know that? Oh, well, the whole uh, of it, mate. Uh, Where'd you well, meet? Well, she was running how'd a little... How'd she change your life? Yeah, she, she's the most amazing woman. She's, um, you know, very peaceful energy around her, you know, mm. and um, my life was fairly tumultuous at that time, you know. I'd, I was coming through a, a recovery from a crushed ankle, and and I used to not be able to walk, so I'd ride my bike with my leg in a cast again. And I, <laughs> There's I'd a ride, theme going <laughs> on yeah, here, mate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> And I'd ride my... Hopefully, touch wood, it doesn't happen again, but... <laughs> I'd be riding my bike with my black dog Chica beside me, and and she was first attracted to Chica because I'd I'd get a coffee there, and she goes, "You're that guy." That you got rides the dog. Yeah, you attract yeah. the ladies. I hear. And then she's <laughs> like, "You know, you're the guy with that black dog," and I'm like, "Yeah." yeah. And then we started talking. That led to coffee, led to dates, and now we're married with two beautiful young kids. And and that was eight years ago. So you were yeah. forty two. Yeah. Later in life. Yeah. And yeah, I've done most things later in life. <laughs> I, uh, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, exactly. I think you know you're ready. Your time's your time when it when it is. You know, a hundred percent. Yeah, I love the fact you've gone to a story about your missus. Right. Yeah. I met my missus when she was seventeen. We got together. Yeah. So I've been married twenty seven years. Been together over thirty years. <laughs> and everyone goes, oh, like what? <laughs> that's that's highly unusual these days. Yeah. I was lucky back then. Yeah. You did it at forty two. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, well... Isn't it? You find one, you grab them, yep. don't let them go. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And she's been, you know, she's German and we've we've been over to Germany with our kids. Our kids are bilingual and it's important oh, to I love that. They, they learn German. As How old are your kids? Uh, five and six. Five and six and they're bilingual. Yeah, yeah. so Kaya, since uh, when we had our first born, which was Stevie Ann, yep. we made the, I guess, the agreement on the spot that whenever she spoke to the babies, only ever spoke German. From, Can you speak from German? Birth. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You'll stuff later yeah, in life. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they got this little, little secret language from me, but um, but I, I know the basics. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, you know. Oh, and what? Uh, so, what's your first born? Stevie Ann. Stevie Ann. She's yeah. named after Dad. Yeah, yeah. Little Stevie Rogers. So, Love that. And uh, we slipped Mum in there as well because Mum was Carol Ann. So Love that. Her name's hyphenated. Stevie Ann. Her middle name's Melanie after my sister, and so hers. Oh, her I name's that. Stevie Ann yeah. Melanie Rogers. And yeah. your other child. His name's Jesse Uarkim Rogers. Uarkim, yeah. Which Why is spelled Uarkim? with a J. Well, that's Kai's dad. So Kai, oh, okay, Kai's, that's German. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Kai's sister is uh, Jessica. Yeah. So we named him Jesse Uarkim Rogers after. Oh, I love that. That side of the family, you know. That's the same. I got four of them, and we did yeah. the same sort of thing. And yeah. I was lucky because my old man, uh, his name was Donald John. Yep, that's my name. There you go. So he was wow. he was Donald John and um Bankstown supporter. He, yeah, he born in born and bred in Bankstown. But the thing is, so I my step my father in law's name's John. Yeah, right. So my firstborn, middle name John, covered both. Yeah. It was nice. great. That was, <laughs> that was awesome. Okay, so let's come back to we're finishing school. Are you ever thinking about going to uni or any of that sort of stuff? Was Mate, that ever no, on the on the books? No, I never I never thought about going to uni. I sort of um when Dad went over and played for the Western Reds, I went over and on the train-on squad there, and everything was sort of going along nicely. And I slipped into a, a media. So he played for the Western Reds. At what age was <laughs> no, he? Dad, Dad was the he um, was coaching or something. Yeah, football manager. Football over there. manager. Okay. Yeah. And you played for the what did you say you were into the train-on squad? Yeah, the train-on okay. squad. So I had to sort of earn a contract, if you like, mm-hmm. and, and made a lot of good friends over there, and things were going well. And um, and then I had a groin injury in the gym and. 
And that sort of put an end to that. And then I, I sort of fumbled around, not really knowing what to do. Um, and there was one of the sponsors of a local club I was playing for work for News Limited over there. And okay. he came up to me and he said, mate, have you ever sold anything? And I said, no. And he goes, perfect. Do you know how to use a computer? I said, no. He says, even better. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? And he, and he offered me a job in News Limited in sales. And I <laughs> slotted straight into News NWA? Limited. NWA? Yeah. yeah okay. So I used to work uh, for, for News over there. And um, What were you selling? Uh, ad space in newspapers, in local tabloids, and um, and Westside Sport magazine. Okay, so you're an ex-rugby league yeah. player who'd never sold anything, nope. couldn't use a computer. Yep. Perfect man for the job. How do you sell me an ad? What's your first? Well, uh, I'll talk to you about your business. You know, yeah. what, what are your? Who's your target market? Who are you trying to reach? What, and you're just making message? this shit up as you go. Well, I got coached into how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Had some pretty good mentors, but it was good, mate. You know, and it, I, I was wearing the suit every day, and you know, and I used. Did you enjoy it? Or daily newspapers are a hard grind. Yeah, you know, you got deadlines every twenty four hours. Um, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed the learning, and I guess I used that later in life as a springboard to go and combine media with some some of my own personal interests. So I went and worked for Morrison Media that do Surfing Life and Slam and Snowboarder and What did you do for them? Same, ad sales. Okay. And I wrote a little music column as well. So just sort of CD reviews every now and then. So that's sort of where the music sort of starts to come into this story, which we're going to get to shortly. Yeah, but well, I mean, yeah, we always had a guitar floating around and Dad always wanted Dad to play could, music. Could he play? No. Could Matt no, play? No. Could Melanie play? No. Mum? No. So <laughs> we had this uh, we had this Ibanez hummingbird that just used to float around the house and I remember it getting kicked around and I just used to tinker with it and teaching you yourself. Know, I, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And um and uh, it was always an interest, but I like if you had said to me a year ago, mate, you're gonna be, you know, a country artist playing <laughs> gigs, supporting Thirsty Merc, doing this and that, I would have just like it's so far removed from what I thought I would be doing, and but that's good. Yeah, it is good. We'll it get there. Yeah. Let's come back to that. Yeah. So we're selling ad space. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you're now at some more sort of magazines and enjoying that a bit more. Yeah. Are you still in WA or have you come back to the coast? No, I've come back to I've come back to the Gold Coast by that stage. And you're single. I was single at the time. Okay. I was. Uh, I so was during this whole time, you were obviously your girlfriends here and there and stuff. Did you ever get married? No. Okay. No. So first marriage at 42? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's so Hopefully good. the only one. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, um, we're a single bloke coming back to the Gold Coast working for Surfing Mac. That's pretty cool. Yeah, well, it's actually here that I met the guys from Morrison Media. And, oh, okay. And then they said, you know, well, we've got a job and, and you'd suit it, but the only problem is the job off the job's down in Sydney at Newport. And I was like, well, I'll move to Sydney. So then I, <laughs> I packed up and moved to Sydney. And I, at the time up here, I was playing for the Burley Bears. And, um, and you know, my football, I, I still had dreams of hopefully making it. But you did? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I carried those right until maybe way too old, like, you know, <laughs> 32 or something. I'm thinking I'm there playing in the park for Cronulla Carrying Bar, getting beaten up every weekend going, what am I doing? <laughs> and do you think that was a pride thing? Oh, was it because of your surname? I think definitely that played a part of it. Yeah, yeah. Like I think just being a Rogers, I I just thought that's what I was meant to do. You yeah. know what I mean? And and I played decent footy, and and probably at one stage could have could have gone down the NRL sort of path. And 
I look at how my life's turned out now and the people I'm meeting and, and how things are unfolding and I realise that I was I had a different calling from the start, you know. It's interesting, isn't it, when mm. you look at it and obviously coming from that family yeah. with that surname, yeah. Yeah. how you believe you must do because that's what you're there to do. You know what well, I mean? Like it's, it's, it's just what, what it's you just grow what up happened. seeing. <laughs> exactly. Like I was born in 73 <laughs> in my dad's first year in the NRL. So, I mean, I, I was born in 73. My dad retired in 85. So... For the first 12 years of my life, it was just normal to come home and see, you know, blokes like Graham Eady or, you know, like Dad's oh, team. what a great just, football. Yeah, he's a lovely bloke, man, <laughs> that too. That played for a pretty shit team. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, during all sort of that growing up, thinking you're going to be a league player, all that sort of stuff, you yeah. got this little brother. Yep. Right? And yep. this little brother's running around. He's doing all right for himself. Yeah, right? he kicked right on with it. And um, in 94, when he's both signed at the Sharks. Yep. Um, he obviously went on from there. At any stage during that period, are you going, you little fucker? Like, no, was, was there really. periods, or are you sort of no. good on your bud? Like, no, that's so let's proud. Go. Yeah, I was. I was always the p- proud big brother. Never yep. really envious, or but sometimes I would have thought, you know, I'd, I'd think to myself, gee, I'd, I'd love to be out there on his hip. You know what I mean? I used to smash him in the yeah, backyard. Just, you know, <laughs> I just, you know, but um, but you know, I, I was close to him through his whole career. I watched every game he played, and you know, I'd go to every game I could, and yeah, and, and uh, so proud of what he what he achieved on the field. But I'm I'm more proud of the things he's, he's, he's achieved. It, off yeah, it, yeah, it's and, just and been unbelievable. Impacted, you know. So with your your brothers playing. League, yep, and then he goes and starts playing rugby. Yeah, how's that sort of family conversation go? <laughs> well, Dad wasn't too happy with it I think, when he made the shift, but um, but I yeah, I mean, I'd I'd never really watched rugby to be honest yeah. until my brother played it, and I watched every game he played over a five year period, and I still don't understand the game. <laughs> I, go, I don't get it. Like, and when Matt, when Matt Wendell and Lottie were at the were at the Wallabies. They, all, yeah. they, they were the back three, and they were all at the peak of their powers, like yeah. playing unreal footy. And I'd see space there, and I'd go, "Why don't you just run, man? Why do you kick it back? Like go, you know." <laughs> and Matt would say, "Mate, well, you know, because they're, they're that quick that the forwards won't keep up anyway. Yeah, yeah. If, and, and unless they score, they're just going to isolate the ball. But to watch, <laughs> I'd be looking at space and just going, <laughs> "What just, are you doing, man?" Yeah, it was frustrating, <laughs> but but uh, he came back to the good side, mate. He did, and, yeah. And he came back Titans. to the Titans, yeah. Which was uh, the was that their inaugural season, season with yeah. Presto? Yep. Yeah, yeah, mate. Great time. What a great thing for the Gold Coast. Yeah, no, I think it was. The best thing ever to happen, obviously, is this next year that's going to happen when the mighty Des Hasler takes on the the reins. Yeah, uh, the manly man. He'll start yeah. bringing some manly uh, lifeblood to the club. So yeah, that should be good. There'll be a bit of grit there for sure. You'd think yeah. Desi at the helm. I think with him and Foran and uh, and that that club will hopefully turn the corner because it's it sort of nearly has so many times. Yeah, and then now it's sort of it's, it's the time for the Titans. Yeah, they to come be. second to Manly, obviously. <laughs> I'd love to see them <laughs> compete and just be competitive. Be up, there, some know? of the units they got playing in that team, like yeah. you look at them and the size of those boys, yeah. like for feeder and that sort of stuff, they could play in the centres and they're like mm. 120 kilos and can yeah. run it. That's just insane. Yeah, it is. It is. So it's a completely different game now to back when you guys were playing at the start. Mm. During that time, you've watched a change, and obviously you played too long, so you played during that all those changes and everything that yeah. happened. Better or worse? Oh, it's a, it's, I guess that's subjective on the type of footy you like to watch. But well, it's a completely different game now. Yeah, it is, and I I I like the um, 
the brutality of the of the of the game in former years. You know yep. what I mean? But I understand. You know, the NRL's got a duty of care and they protect their you know the people with the employees, which are the players. And um, yeah, I, I, my favourite era of football was probably you know that mid to late eighties. Yep. You know, I just thought it was it was. It was on. It was just it was, on. Yeah, it was like, we didn't smash that guy. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it's like, poor bastard. Some of those blues were pretty pretty interesting back yeah. in, back in yeah. that day. But you never saw anyone get really hurt. I mean, you know, a black eye and a fat lip or something like that. I mean, um, and and my argument is they, they the, the guys playing, you've got 26 alpha males out there yes. all, you know, running on adrenaline. In it, playing an aggressive game, let them have their 10 second fire up yep. and just settle straight back down and, and then st- play on. Yeah, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all you know. That's a, that's a fair call. But, you know, a fair call. I, I understand the uh, game can't be played like that anymore. Indeed. So, you've moved down to Newport and yep. you're working for a surfing mag selling ads. Yep. And Newport's a very interesting part of the world. Yeah. I quite like down the northern beaches. Yeah, plenty of sherbets at the Newport Arms. <laughs> Indeed. And, and, you know, it was a good, uh, our office was right across the road. So oh, very nice. Good, yeah. and, very, and where's your brother playing at this time? He was still at the Sharks. Still at the Sharks. So, so you got to catch Sharks, up with yeah. him and hang yeah, out and with him and stuff. and stuff. And, and our mum was real sick during that time. That was mum, my mum passed five years before my dad from breast cancer. Okay. And um, she was sort of. Uh, so you were in Sydney during that time? Mum, mum, and dad had moved back to Sydney because yep. mum and dad were now. Dad was now working for the Sharks, okay, um, as football manager again. Yeah, and um, Matt was playing there, so that was a bit of a conflict. That you know, um, your dad <laughs> being your boss and yeah. stuff. And how'd um, they get on? Um, mate, yeah, good. I think you know, must be hard um, working for your old man. A, though. Yeah, it's a question because they're going to be ex- they're going to be extra hard, aren't they? It's going to well, happen. Yeah, and I guess you know Matt mentions as part of his story when when you know um, when Mum was real sick he, he you know didn't know who was calling was it Dad calling or was it his boss calling yeah, yeah. It, you know tough times yeah they were they were hard times but um, but we all bandied around and pulled around each other when um, you know Mum took her last breath and uh, and that um, I guess started the decline of my dad around yeah. that time you know um, we hard to watch it, didn't I? yeah yeah. So yeah, it was it was hard to watch. Mum battled uh, breast cancer over a seven year period. Wow! So to lose her, strong lady. Oh, mate, so strong. Yeah, what happens amazing. when the glue leaves? Well, yeah, the the family sort of, I guess you know, disjointed a little bit. Yep. Sort of, dad moved on and got married fairly quickly, and dad had never been alone. And mum sort of had that discussion with us about dad moving on and making sure he's got a partner and. Um, How do you guys accept that? Oh, it was tough, you know, to. to to, well, firstly, just to hear your mum say that about your mm. dad that she wants, you know, and your mum's, you know, laying there on a deathbed, yep. and and your part of you's thinking, no, mum, you're going to pull through, and mm. and mum knows, you know, mum always, knows, um, yeah, yeah, it was hard. It's so, a um, it's a tough thing that a lot of people go through, yeah. and I think one of the things that affects a lot of people is they never talk about it. Yeah, and. People like your mum need to be sort of, we need to be proud. Like oh, seven yeah, years so, fight, mate. Yeah. And the fact, like my mum's just gone through this at the moment. Oh, and uh, thoughts are with her. It's, it's, it's tough times. But mm. at the same time is, I think if we don't talk about it and we don't get it off our chest and it, like yeah. keep it inside, they're a good <laughs> thing, mate. They're yeah, a good no, thing. she was a wonderful lady, my mum. So selfless, you know. Um, Celebrate her, mate. That's what that's all about. Yeah, isn't yeah. That? Well, that's what I do. And that's, that's yep. part of the reason I started playing music and stuff. And so yeah. you told me a story about your mum, mm. and let's let's go to the music for now. Yeah. So uh, in February this year, you had a bit of a, a turning point in your life. Yeah. When um, 
the, the story you told me, this is how I heard it, right? This, yeah, yeah. this is like, <laughs> is that all the boys get pissed every Friday afternoon. I don't drink that much. So one of the boys <laughs> said, why don't you just bring your guitar down? We'll have a little sing-along. Yeah, yeah. And then it's Pretty started. much, yeah, pretty much. And like I said earlier, like, you know, if you had asked me a year ago, like, was music an option for me? I, you must have been playing so, that. Yeah, I'd just tinkered around at family barbecues and whatnot. And I could, knew I could sing and play and... And then one of the boys. When did you, know, you realise you could actually play that? Was it, was it 17, that 18? It was on the. It would have been the third of February <laughs> this year, because of the reaction. Yeah, because the reaction I got, like the boys all have a few sherbets on a Friday afternoon on the on the site I was working on. I'm a crane operator and dogman and stuff, and they said, you know, well, you don't drink, so bring your guitar in one Friday and play a few songs for us. And I'm I put it off for about a month, and then when I played, there why? Was a, Oh, because I was, I was scared. Shitting yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still I still get terrified every time <laughs> I play, whether it's whether it's I remember at the open mic like you're walking backwards and yeah, forwards going, I yeah, shit myself. Yeah, I was yeah, just, every, <laughs> it never goes away. I and I said to um one of my music mentors, he said to me, mate, you're still in that stage where you're you're uncomfortable being uncomfortable. Yep. He said, It'll always be uncomfortable, but once you get comfortable being uncomfortable, Indeed. he said that's when the switch will flick, you know what I mean? And it'll become easier. So I put it off for about a month and then I thought, oh, one day I thought, I'll just take it down, you know, and I put my cowboy hat on. And I played only about three or four songs because I think at that stage I only knew probably six or eight to yeah. play and sing confidently. So I played what three was the songs. First one? It was would have been Hurricane by the Band of Heathens. Okay. Because yeah, so that was the go-to. Yeah. <laughs> and I played that and Camo looks at me and he goes, Donnie, what the heck are you doing here, mate? And just his reaction, I was like, What? He goes, mate, your music. Like, and who's this like? Is he just one of the tradies? He's one of the form workers that I was working on on a uh, Hutchies build up here on Broadbeach. And yeah. um, we went to primary school. We went to preschool together. So oh, we, really? Yeah. So yeah. hadn't seen each other for 30 years. But and just his reaction took me back. And then there was another guy there that I work with and we're amicable. But I know he doesn't like me. I don't really like him. But we just work together. Yeah. You know? And even he came up and he goes, mate, you've got a gift, eh? And I was like... So that was on the Friday. I went home that night and I Googled open mics because yeah. I thought, well, if a few people are thinking that, maybe more will. So what I did you say to the missus when you got home? Well, I said, I'm going to Google an open mic and just go and try it, you know. And she goes, yeah. you're singing around the house and doing all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I Google open mics and the first one I find is down at the Mount Warning Hotel at Yukai. Past Moolamba, <laughs> and I drove that far on and the Saturday. And where are you living? You're living on the gold. Yeah, <laughs> and I drove down that far because I was that nervous. I didn't want anyone to know me. I thought I'll go where no one knows me, and I'll just. And, and that's where the cowboy hat comes from as well. It's like a safety blanket. Oh, like okay. when I play. I sort of. I, <laughs> Get I, I, yeah, it. yeah. And I got up, literally shaking, and I couldn't even hold my voice to the mic. And I was like, "Were oh, you first? No, nah, that they'd been. That was just an open jam thing they had going there. Oh, okay. So I rock up and I said, you know, my name's Don. I said, I'm. I've never sung into a mic before. I'm real nervous and I'm literally shaking. You only got to do three songs, so I played three songs, and then the, the reaction was pretty good. And then they're like, mate, play another one. And I looked over at the organ. I said, can I play one more? He goes, mate, you play as many as you mm -hmm. want. And so I played another couple songs. And then there was this guy there, and this is the power of encouragement, you know. And I just that's it's a story I tell when I play a gig. The power of a word of encouragement can't be – you can't put a price on that, you know what yeah. I mean? If if Camo hadn't have said that on the Friday, yeah. I would never have gone and done that on the Saturday. So that was the next day? The very next day. Wow. And, you know, I just thought, well, I'm pulling the trigger with it, you know. And I yeah. went down 
and there was this older guy there. He was an older muso. He was probably, oh, I don't know, late 50s, early 60s. Mm-hmm. But he was playing everything, this guy. Saxophone, bass, keys, proper muso. And after I got down, he came up to me and he goes, mate, there is no way that's your first time. And I said, mate, it is. I've never sung into a mic. He said, and he just said, mate, to hide that away for 40 years because you don't think you're good enough is a tragedy. He said, mate, <laughs> you need to sing and you need to sing as much as you can from right now. So I just... Started doing three or four open mics a week, and they led to gigs, and gigs led to festivals. I wouldn't even know there was three or four open mic nights a week. Yeah, yeah, there is. There's, Where there's just a, at random places? Yeah, ones at the yard on a Wednesday yeah, night. There you go, that's like where, that plug. That, yeah, <laughs> that's where I. That's where I met you, Brett. Yeah. And uh, and uh, there's one on a Wednesday night at Hound and Stag at Arundel. Tuesdays, Den Divine at Broadbeach. Um, and if you just Google them, I mean, you know. So do you just keep going back to the same sort of places as well? Like yeah, well, I just wanted to, to get, I wanted to try and reach that comfortable being uncomfortable yeah, part, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? And I think I'm just starting to turn that corner now. Yep. Um, it's still it's relatively new. Yeah, it is. And and the thing about singing as well, I think it's, it's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, uh. Well, you've got to be vulnerable. You, you know what I mean? Like you show a vulnerability when you sing. Your you, your face shows emotion, and you I don't know. And if you're from you're the family, story, mate. yeah, exactly. And 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 some of my music mentors that have seen me play say that that's you know the powers in my vocal and the way I deliver. I tell the story with my vocal, and I, I don't. I still don't get all the music terminology. And mate, you look at guys like Johnny Cash and yeah, all that. Yeah. Not the best singers in the world. Yeah, but the best storytellers ever. Yeah, yeah. And those sort of people. Is the, is the same sort of stuff that you remind me of. But there's a story you started to tell me when we were down there, and I wanted you to keep mm. it till today. Mm. Yeah. And that was all about mum, right? Yeah. So you told me she was a she wrote poetry. Yeah, she was a poet. Yeah. Tell us the poetry story. Well, mum, when she passed, she left her book of poetry to uh, three copies, one for me, one for my brother, one for my sister. Why did she write poetry, do you know? Um, uh, I'm not sure. Was I, it a release for her? Yeah. Was I it mean, and her s- version of singing? Yeah, I guess so, and uh, and a lot of the um, poems were, you know, they're revealing. You know, they mm-hmm. they show when when you can read my mum's life through her poems. You know what I mean? You can tell when she's going through a hard time, or when you know the chemo's getting hard, or when you know, um, dad so and her like relationship her was strained. Yeah, yeah. So, so she's different. writing her diary, but she's doing it as poetry. Yeah, and I don't know if they're in chronological order, but. But some of them, you know, some of it's world-class poetry. Some mm. of it's really good. And I guess that's, you know, I rang Matt and Mel because I wanted it to be okay with them because she, mum's desire when she left the poetry to me, my brother, my sister, was that none of it's ever allowed to be published. But she didn't say I couldn't sing it. Right? So, <laughs> I love that bit. <laughs> so, and that's the thing, you know, if I, if I can build one of mum's, she's left a wonderful collection of work there to, to at least draw inspiration from. Mm. And if I can with the help of some, you know, music professionals that, that actually write and can help me blend these into song, uh, what a way to, to honour my mum, you know. And and I just won't print the, you know, I won't, won't print, well, you, don't print, you, won't print <laughs> you don't print CD sleeves exactly. anymore anyway. So, you know, someone will work the lyrics out and post them up anyway, but I, I certainly won't be doing it, you know, because it was my mum's dying wish. That she do you think you'll be able to sing it? Yeah, it yeah, won't be I too do. emotional. Yeah. There's been, you know what? I was talking. I was talking to my wife about that the other night. I learned a, a song about. Um, it's called "Drive" by Daddy Jean, and it's uh, it's it's about you know when you're a kid and you sat on your dad's knee and yep. he let you steer the car. And yeah. kids today don't do it, but there's a song that I heard about that, and it, it, it evokes an emotion in me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
musos get it. And I guess, you know, to 90% of people, music's a sound. Uh, to me, it's an emotion, you know yep, what I mean? I know, sure. I know as soon as I hear a song within one or two bars, if it's a song that I want to play or it's some, a sound I want to emulate, you know what I mean? Because it creates something... Something in your heart, mate. Yeah, yeah, it does. It really hey, does. Hey, look at the big softy yeah. at 50. I love yeah. it. How good is it? Yeah, mate, it's crazy. So it's let's crazy. go back 30 years. Yeah. 20-year-old Donnie. Mm. Wild child. Look, look at that. 50-year-old Donnie. <laughs> oh. Hey, chalk mm. and cheese? Mm. Completely? And, yeah, completely. Completely 180. What, what was 20-year-old Donnie? Oh, just loose. Just, you know, just had a chip on my shoulder, you know. It was, um, I guess... Could have come across as very arrogant in my younger days, you mm-hmm. know, and um, and that's just not who I am today, you know. Who kept you in line with that? Anyone? Or you were no, allowed? Nobody, really, yeah. yeah. That's why it kept dad, going. Yeah, and dad, dad sort of gave us free reign and, you know, and I know I was the, I would have been a, um, a cause of concern for my dad, especially <laughs> through those 20s, you know. Yeah. Being, and you don't realise that until later in life, now having children of my own oh, and how much you worry about them. <laughs> And you think, holy shit, like <laughs> the things I put my parents through, you know. My uh, my eldest turns 21 this year. Yeah. And I say to my wife, we've done so well. And she goes, what do you mean? I said, look at the shit we were doing. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. from 16 yep. to 21. Yeah. Fuck, I'm glad she doesn't do any of that. <laughs> but yeah. that's the thing, isn't it? It's different times obviously now as well. But yeah. at the same time, it's uh, you look back and like my old man passed uh, 19 years ago. God and, um I want, all I want to do is just say, sorry, mate. Yeah. <laughs> sorry I put you through yeah, that. Yeah. But at the same time, he probably laugh, sit there laughing at me now just saying you're an idiot. Yeah. Like, like my father-in-law does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm just living in a living a um, an apology from my parents now, you know what I mean? Yeah, I try and do that through, through how I sort of hold myself and how I interact with other people and and be that voice of encouragement for someone else because uh, I'm, I'm just such a big fan of that. Mate, I've got um, 31st cousins, right? Yeah. Um, and my 31st cousins, we all grew up really close. Yeah. Like some of my cousins were closer than me and my brother, right? Yeah. We're, we're like fam- – well, we are family, but we're like proper family, if yeah. you like. Yeah, yeah. With 13 brothers and sisters or 12 brothers mm. and sisters that your mum had, how close was that? Um, and is it still? Yes and no. I, um. I've always got respect and um, of course. and love for all my family members, yep. but there's, I mean, Australia's so big and the family's so spread out. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a handful of pockets from mum's family that I'm close to, like mum's sister Teresa and her boys Daryl and John, and and but even in saying that, you know, we don't catch up, you know, maybe three or four times a year. We'll it's sort of, family. you know, yeah, exactly. And that well, I found it stopped at our level. It's really interesting. So my kids don't know my cousins' kids. Yeah, they, like they'll meet. At funerals and weddings, yeah, it's pretty much when they when they see each other or meet, yeah. But the big thing is that at our era, that sort of all that that's where it was a lot closer, and then from there, and I think once sort of matriarchs in the family like your mum, yeah, passes, yeah, then it's a shame because some of that gets lost in the woodwork. But yeah. what I'm finding now is I'm actually reaching out more, I'm actually seeing them more and trying to catch up with them and yep. sort of bring bring them close. I think since mum got sick, it sort of bring that little thing back to me. Oh, fuck, I haven't seen that one for ages. I'll yeah. give him a call or reach out. And it's funny how life goes like this, isn't it? Yeah, it does, man. I always say it ebbs and flows for everyone, you know It's what a mean? song, mate. Yeah, well, yeah, there life is a song. Is a there's, song. A, there's a song in this podcast. But <laughs> there <never> is, <laughs> but, the, um, but the thing is, I look at it a lot. I love music. Yeah. I, I've, I've always said I'm a really good singer. I've just got a really shit voice, right? 
But the thing is, it's I love music. I love how it tells stories. I love poetry. I love that sort of stuff. Yeah. And for you to realise that you're actually really good at something at this age. Well, yeah, it's mate, your it's whole a, mind. Mate, mind it is. Blown, it is. It? It's literally like blowing my mind. Like those <laughs> like open mics, and I just want to encourage anyone if you, if have you know, crack. if you're getting around forty and fifty, and you've got something that you're passionate about, and you and just have a crack, throw your hat in the ring. You know what I mean? Because and it's all happening so quick, Brett. Like yeah. I've gone from from open mics, they've turned into gigs. Gigs have turned into the Groundwater Festival. There so tell me, how did you get the Groundwater Festival? What happened there? Uh, that was through the contacts at playing open mic nights. And okay. that's, the, that's the power of Muse open mic together, nights. Yeah, they, they do. I they all that. come together. Yeah. And, and you get to form relationships with the venue proprietors and, and you meet promoters and sound engineers and different musicians there. And one of the reasons I didn't play live, I guess, for so long is because I I'm just a strummer. I'm not like a Stevie Vai or I'm not like a, you know, shredder on the guitar. I just, yeah. and that's really why I started playing country too, because, you know, I grew up with, you know, Rage Against the Machine and Pantera and Metallica and all that heavy rock sort of grungy Seattle scene. Yep. Pearl Jam. Nirvana. You know, Nine Inch Nails, all, all that sort of stuff. And um, um, I never disliked country, but then when I, when I started to play my guitar more, I just found that, country songs were just easier because they're the same three or four chords so yep. i just and then over time of listening and playing more country i've fallen in love with the um the storytelling aspect of it isn't it know? funny the more you listen to country and western yeah. the more you love it i yeah. had an opportunity to go to dallas last uh december yeah wow and um we were there on a basketball tour but one of the things we got to go to is to go and listen to country and western oh mate it was one of the best times of my whole life yeah it was yeah. just unbelievable and we, um, I remember me and my wife back in, I think it was 97 or something, went to BB King's Blues Bar wow. uh, in Memphis and they had just a, an open mic and all these old diggers literally just got up and started playing. Yeah. And they were playing blues and country and western and all this yeah. and I'm sitting there going, like, that's, just, that's insane. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. And that's, and I guess the fear around playing with other musos is what held me back. And the course. one thing I've noticed about the music industry as a whole, like, all the artists are so supportive of each other. You know what I mean? They help each other. Yeah, they? they they encourage and support and help and mate, it's and it's an amazing culture and one I'm grateful I found. You know. So if I asked you what your occupation was now, mm. what are you? <laughs> I'm a uh, musician. I'm I moonlight as a crane operator. At the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so when you move back to the Gold Coast from Newport and that sort of stuff, you you come back up here and. Got into construction and started driving cranes and stuff. Is that how that worked? No, I uh, I moved from Newport back over to Cronullaway when when, yep. when we lost mum. I moved back over there to be near the family and and then I, st I think I started working for the X Games and the Krusty Demons tour and all that sort of hedonistic. What were you doing for them? Um, same ad sales and yeah. stuff and and merch sales on the tour with the Krusties and. Uh, the X Games, I'd sell all the the signage for the game, so the 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 flat young man's dream to work yeah, for those it guys, isn't it? it Going to good. those events and you stuff. Know, twenty twenty one, that was good, um, and we had some good times. And um, um, I've forgotten the original question. Yeah, what you were doing when you come back up here? So we work. Yeah, so I've only I've only come back up uh, the Gold Coast probably three years ago, and mm -hmm. I uh, I got into cranes. I think it was around about. 16 or 17 years ago just started as a dogman and i said i'd never go up that end because i'm scared of heights yep. and after three years of dogging they said you'll go up there one day i said oh no i won't and then, <laughs> yeah so yeah I'm so there you go there. up yeah how yeah. high is it oh it depends what you're building depends the highest i've been was uh, uh in brisbane was about 82 floors i think oh fuck that yeah it's pretty high 
And you, climb, you have to climb up too, don't you? Yeah, but not all the way. They might have a little sky bridge out on one of the higher levels that you can walk across because yeah. the crane's that high are tied into the side of the building. And does it sway? They do, yeah. yeah. If you and get you shoot yourself every time? Nah, you, know, you get desensitised to it. But it's, um, yeah, it's the best view in the house. What about sort of, to me, I'm, I'm the type of person that needs people around me. I need people. I, if yeah, I'm yeah. sitting on my own, I get bored real quick, yeah. right? If you're sitting in a crane, you're on your own. Yeah, but you get some pretty... Interesting banter between the you do? the dogmen and the operators <laughs> and stuff, you know. So You'd be singing too, wouldn't you? Yeah, I do. I do at times. I've I've had I've had a, a small little travel guitar up a crane once, and oh, the, really? the acoustics are unreal. It's all so <laughs> between Take a little trucks. Recorder. Or, yeah, well, when the boys are at Smoko or whatever, I'll just pull it off the wall and play because it's all glass. You know, the ceilings glass. The because you're not the coming walls. down or up very often, are you? Oh, it depends. It just depends on the height of the crane. And I mean, if, it's, if you're only five or six stories up, then you, you'll come down for smoke on lunch. But if you're, you know, 60... So when do we retire as a crane driver and become a full-time uh, user? Mate, hopefully if the music keeps going the way it is, I'm, I'm hoping six to 12 months I can I can focus a lot more energy into my music. When was the first yeah. time you got paid a dollar, doesn't matter how many dollars, yeah, yeah. to actually play a song? Uh, it would have been... Probably around April this year, I think. You yeah. started in February getting paid. I in know. April. I tell a lie. I tell a lie. I had I, did, I had a vocal coach in Sydney, and she made me to get over my fear of performing. She made me go and busk one afternoon in the subway tunnel in Sydney. Yeah. Just and that wasn't for money. I was I was still I was in the cranes and everything. It was just merely to get over the the nerves. Yeah. And I played, and there were people filming, and like, you know, so. and throwing money in your hat. Yeah, so I think I made on no seventy bucks in an hour or something. Nice. Like that. But, Don't uh, tell the tax man. <laughs> it's all cash money. <laughs> Love that. Cash is king. Love that. Mm. Okay, so I don't know if you want to talk about. It. If you don't want to, that's fine too. No, that's all right. So when Dad passed, mm. where were you? What were you doing? How'd you find out? Uh, when Dad passed, I was living in Cronulla, and um, Dad had just come back from a from a. European vacation with his new wife Ingrid mm -hmm. they, they went over there and they came back a bit earlier apparently something happened over I don't know whether it was between them or an argument or something you know dad they came back early I don't know why or how um, and it was around Christmas of 2004 I think it was it 2000 2005 Christmas of 2005 dad came back just after Christmas mm -hmm. I had my partner, Danielle, at the time, left Cronulla to come up here to meet mum's family. So I'm on the road coming up, literally on the... Driving up. Driving up on the 2nd of January. And we stopped at uh, Lennox and stayed at the hotel, stayed with mates at Lennox and had a beer at the hotel and whatever. We got up the next morning, January 3rd, and one of my favourite places to surf on that northern New South Wales area is Tallow's Beach. Mm -hmm. So we went to Tallow's on the way to the Gold Coast and got down there at about, I don't know, six, and, and it was only small, but I went out for a little surf, probably an hour and a half, two hours. I come in at like 7.38, and I don't know if you know, but de back then, they've probably got reception there now, but... Back then, you didn't get phone reception down in Tallows. You, you got it pretty much any, anywhere along those when you get onto the beach, did yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. So there was no phone reception. So I get back to the car about 7.38, towel off, and we come up into Byron to go out towards Sunrise to come up the Gold Coast. Yep. And I've looked at my phone, and it's beeping off its head. I've got something like 37 missed calls. And I remember looking at my – it's 8 in the morning, you know. And I'm looking at my phone going – what's going on here, you know? And I, I went to... Who are they from? Uh, Craig Miller. Okay. His name is. His nickname's Killer. He's a good family friend of ours. And um, 
killer had reached out to me and uh, couldn't get me. And I remember driving the car and he rang and I pulled over. See, Dad rang me the night before on the second, on the night. And he's he always told us that he loved us, right? So it wasn't abnormal for Dad to say, oh, I love you, mate. Yep. And looking at it in hindsight now, I can I can see that there was a different tone in his voice. And I don't mm-hmm. know whether I, I'm, you know, picking that up. I don't think I would have picked it up at the time anyway. Yep. But but Dad sort of said, oh, just before you go, mate. And I said, yeah. He goes, mate, I really love you, mate. And I said, I love you too, Dad, you know. And that was on the night of the second. And then, um, <clears throat> yeah, leaving Byron with all those missed calls. And then Killer got on the phone. And when Dad died, he was still training four or five times a week. He'd do boxer size. He was fit. My, my man looked like he could have played when he died, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, and uh, I remember Killer getting on the phone and just saying to me, your dad's gone, mate. And I, I just said, gone? What do you mean? Gone where? He goes, mate, he's had a heart attack. And I just looked at Denny L straight away. I hung up the phone and I just said to Denny L, I said, my dad's killed himself. And I just knew straight away, you know. And um, Yeah, and spun the car around and literally drove from Byron to Cronulla as fast as I could. When I had like 140, 150. Do you remember the drive? No. Or you were just a space cadet? No, I was just planted my yeah. foot on it and I just wanted to get there. And I remember... Did you ring Matt or Mel? No, I think I was shell-shocked. I remember I remember on the way home and we pulled into this little bowls club in the middle of nowhere. I don't even know where it was, but we needed to eat. So I pulled over and it was around, I don't know, 6 p.m. or 4 p.m. It was the afternoon yeah. news was on. And it was all like, and everyone's crowded around the bar and they're watching this telly and I'm hearing them talk about my dad. And I just sat there and just, you know, I remember just bawling my eyes out and just Denny, I was saying, come on, we've got to go. And, uh, and yeah, it's and it's still raw today. You of know, course 20, it is, odd, 20 years on, you know. That's and, that's, and that's the reason, I guess, you know, Matt and I, we, we try and raise a lot of awareness in that mental health space. And I, can, 100%. And I commend you for doing that too because um, it can really, you know, change, change a life. So... You get back to Sydney, mm. obviously you then got to deal with shit. Yeah, right? yeah. And do you see the family? Yeah, I remember. I, 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 I don't know whether it was shock or whatever, but I remember my brother was living at Cronulla on um, on the water on the um, Gatamata Park side, and I, I drove straight to Matt's house, walked in, and the first thing I said to him was, where's Dad? And he goes, man, he's at the morgue. And I'm like, so I grabbed two beers and just drove there and sort of sat with my dad, had one and just put one there with him and... Yeah, it was, um, it was, it's something I, you know, I, I don't wish it on anyone, you know. Nah, mate, I, um, I, when my old man passed away, I flew back from London. Yeah. And the thing that no one knew was that he told me before, I don't want you to come back till I'm gone. My yeah, old man passed yeah. away with liver disease. Yeah. And we come, we got flown back, we did all that, and then he survived. And then we went back to London and he said, I don't want you to come back. I just had my second child. And everyone's going, why the fuck aren't you here? And it's like, cause he told me not to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and he told me not to tell anyone. Yeah. So I'm left in this position. So when yeah. I get back, I did the same thing, exact same thing. <laughs> Went straight to the mall, sat there, spoke to him. Yeah. Me and him had a chat for probably an hour. Yeah, I slapped him, I yeah. kissed him, yeah, I and did then the same. and said, see you later. Yeah. Like it was, it was the worst experience of my yeah, life. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time. I'm so glad I had the opportunity to say goodbye. Yeah, yeah. and like I've been through therapy, I've been through everything for for this stuff, yeah, and yeah. 
my my heart goes out to you because I know yeah. exactly what you've you've gone through. The yeah. fact is that when you then learn what happened and why, yeah, and now the fact that you guys are doing so much to help other people not go through that. Yeah, well, if it mate, one's enough. If our, if our story can impact one life and they just, you know. Because, and, and my thing about mental health, it's something I say quite regularly is, you know, we've got a sore tummy, we go to the doctor. You've yeah. got, you got bad feet, you go to a podiatrist, you've got bad teeth, you go to a dentist. You know, and if you're not thinking or feeling right, and that's all mental health is, is, your, is your thoughts and your emotions. And, and they get out of check sometimes. And when that happens, just go and speak to someone that can give you some tools to... Help you. You know, and I'm not a psychologist, but I know that um, people with that sort of education have definitely helped me uh, navigate those waters of grief and loss and rebuilding and, and all that sort of stuff, you know. And I think another really important thing is to grieve. Mm, 100%. Like, I'm 19 years, you're, you're probably the mm. same same length of time. Yeah. You're still grieving. Yeah, 100%. Every fucking yeah. day. Never I goes think away, of the old boy know? every day. And yep, I, I sit there and just go, what would he do? Or what would yeah. I, like, just yep. different shit you're doing. Sometimes you give yourself an uppercut because you know yeah. that's what he would have done. Yeah, and there's always something missing, you know. Every 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 birthday, every Christmas, every mum and dad's anniversary, every. So I got a little thing I do. That's my dad's 200 game ring, and whenever he used to wear it facing him, so it was his birthday yesterday, and I turned it around. Yesterday was his yeah, birthday. So, so yeah. you celebrate his birthday? Yeah, just in my own little way, yeah. you know. Have just a beer and tribute. cheers, man. Yeah, 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 just, just uh, I don't have a beer, this, but I just pay but tribute. I just, Flip the ring around and it's not Love his it. birthday now, so I'll put it back the way I'll wear it. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings me to you and Maddie. Mm. You're going to do this amazing event. What yeah. date is it? February 3rd at the Gold Coast Tavern. Okay. So Matt and I, it's called uh, Here on the 2nd and Gone on the 3rd. Yep. And that just that title of that night just came about with a discussion I was having with um, Robert LeBow, who's the uh, founding founder of The Knowledge House, which is a charity that do preventative-based mental health workshops in yep. the community and that's i guess why i'm passionate about helping rob too is because they're boots on the ground in the community actually doing things you know what i mean like they're they're very proactive in that regard um and what what can people expect at this event well it's going to be because matt and Do i you both, know yet no or not really gonna, not really wing it well sort of yes yeah, sort of <laughs> kind of <laughs> but i think we're just going to tell both of our stories about how we reacted to that situation, yep. the flow and effect in the family, the ripple effect it has for generations, mm -hmm. um, you know, and around the importance of mental health, we'll tell our story as as, as brothers, as individuals, um, as, as a family, and then we'll weave a bit of music through that. So yeah. we're not, we don't want to just get in the two-man submarine and yeah, go, go real deep too quick, you know, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get the bend. So we want it to be, you know, a little bit of light-hearted stuff around growing up. Does Matt up play any music or sing? No, he does the world's worst rendition of uh, Oasis Wonderwall. And you're going to make him do that on the I'd night? like to. <laughs> <laughs> but he reckons he's not going to. I said, come on, mate. we should put that on socials. And what yeah. we'll do is we'll get, everyone will vote and we'll try mm. and get Matt to sing Wonderwall. Oh, let's do it. I, I think that's some uh, campaign. No, <laughs> <laughs> Matt's Wonderwall. Yeah. That's what we'll do. Make we'll sure you got a hashtag plugs. out there. It's <laughs> that good, is it? Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> so that's on the... Third, third of February. Feb Feb it's, I think it's a Saturday, February third. Yep. So and there, and tickets. Where can people get tickets? If you just go to the Knowledge House, which is uh, N O L E D G E. We'll stick no it up edge. on the socials as yeah, well. Yeah, yep. pop a link up there. But there's only a couple of hundred tickets. So anyone that does want to come, there's well, there's less be, now because I know we got a table. So yeah, awesome. Be, It'd be great to have you there, mate. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a good night. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Okay. 
We're going to wrap this up. Yeah. I can talk to you all day. I can talk to you as well. (laughs) There's some quick fire questions that are slow. Ready? All right, let's go. Let's go. Okay. Greatest achievement in life? My kids. Person who has had the most influence on your career? On my career? Well, you've got many. Yeah, yeah. Musically, it'd definitely be my wife for her support and encouragement. Um, mm, yes, but n- no. <laughs> no. In the shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely my wife, yeah. Okay. What about you personally? Uh, Who's influenced your life the most Yeah, personally? probably, probably a, a good mate of mine, Barry, his name is. He's, okay. uh, he's sort of, um, you know, 81 years old now. Yep. And I speak to him every day. And, um, Love it. Yeah, he's just a, the sage in my life, you know what I mean? Because I don't have one, you know. My all grandparents are gone. My parents are gone. So you got Barry. Yeah, I got Baz. Love that. Yeah, yeah. Favorite food? Mexican. Had it last night. Tacos. Where at? Home. Home cooked tacos. tacos. So good. (laughs) Favorite song? (laughs) That changes at the moment. It's a song by um, Alan Jackson called "Drive" for Daddy Jean. It's a it's a song about you know. The, the modern generation, the, the kids nowadays wouldn't experience sitting on your dad's knee and driving a car like they used to let us do. If, you, if you're over 35, 40, you definitely remember it. But, hey, Bruce uh, Springsteen, my hometown. That's what it's yeah, about, driving right. into town and, and yeah. sitting on dad's lap. And yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's a great song too. Yeah. Uh, favourite place in the world? Favourite place in the world. Oh, wow. I've been to a few. Um. That's a really good question, Brett. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to think. Um, maybe the area my wife's from, but I've only been there in the summer in Germany. She's from a little town called Aachen, which is in the Black Forest, and it's oh, nice. beautiful. Love you. The most beautiful, beautiful place. place. Yeah, I don't think a lot together in winter, though. No, well, I've only been there in the summer, you know. And I said to Kai, because her mum and dad, you know, they're, they're getting on. I said, well, you know, we, we can go and do a year over there and – and look after them when the time comes. And she's like, nah. <laughs> we'll do summer and then we're coming back to the yeah, old coast. Exactly. <laughs> so, what's next? Uh, what's next is just taking it one day at a time, mate. I'm just going to keep, you know, strumming away and working in construction. And, and you know, the people New Year's on, Eve, you got Thirsty oh, Merc. Oh, yeah, I've got Thirsty Merc on New Year's How'd Eve. How that Mate, that was a... Uh, Open spring, mic? Springboarded off um, the ground... the Groundwater Festival. Groundwater Festival, yeah. The, there was a promoter in the in the crowd when we played, and I, I came off, and he goes, "Have you got a minute, mate?" And I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Come outside," and I was like, "I felt like, oh shit, what have I done?" Like a boy on my And he just goes, "Mate, have you got plans for New Year's Eve?" I said, "No." He goes, "How would you like to open up for Thirsty Merc?" And I, I just, mate, you could have pushed me over with a feather. Where are they playing? They're playing at the Hound and Stag. Oh wow! At Arundel, yeah, on New Year's Eve, December <laughs> thirty-one. <laughs> Okay, yeah, Thirsty Merc. Come join us. Where, where, where are we playing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stag, awesome. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you, what's going on? Nashville? Are we looking to go yeah, overseas? Yeah, I, 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 I do want to go check Nashville out in June next year just to go to the CMA Awards, just to check it out really and, and maybe, you know, might play a gig or two when I'm there and just want to get the feel for it. And I'm not trying to force anything really with my music, Brett. Yep. I, just, I just want it to be organic and grow and the relationships I'm making, the people that are coming into my life. And the power of those open mics, like I had a, a guy um, heard me play a, a few weeks ago. Um, he reached out on socials and said, mate, if you ever need a guitarist, look me up. He, his name's Dave Thompson, wonderful yep. guy. And um, 
Mate, it turns out Dave toured with Keith Urban for 20 years <laughs> and has played with Owen Jackson and Tammy Wynette and wow. lived, lived in Nashville. And so we're going to team up next year and I don't know how that's going to look yet, but we're excited for the possibility where it could go. So well, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing for yeah, me. Yeah, mate. Let's go. Cool. Are you going to play me a song? Yeah, I can play your drive by Alan Jackson. There we, that sounds like a plan. That's mate, what I've done, which is a little bit of a surprise, I'm actually going to bring a little crowd in. Yeah, awesome. So the guys from yeah, upstairs are going to come down. Yeah. And then uh, we're going to have a listen. Yeah. So I've got to work out how to play my guitar. Do you have to play with it? Why are you going to put your hat on? I don't know. I just, you don't? I even, no. Even when, even when I practice at home. Let's play on. Nude Head. Can we do it? No. Nah. No? Nah? No. Nah. Why? I don't know. Yeah, you can. <laughs> it's just my thing. <laughs> <laughs> I can still hear you, I think. Yeah, you'll still hear me anyway, because <sighs> even if you take them off. Are they coming? Where, where are your people? Are they I've coming? just told them. Let's you go. some pool? So this I've got a, some pull. Yeah, they all work for me. <laughs> I hope they come down. So remember remember when you were a little kid and uh, Dad used to put you on his knee and steer the car? This is a song that reminds me of that. It's called Drive. They're here. They're here. They're here. Open the door, guys. Come in. We're listening. Uh, all right. We ready to go? Ready to go? Yeah. Been around. Oops, sorry, it starts there. She was painted red, her stripe was white, she was 18 feet from the bow of the stern line. Second hand from a dealing in Cronulla, I rode there with daddy when he went there to get her. Put on a shine, put on a motor, build out of love and made for water. Ran it for years till a transcend guy riding a piece of my childhood will never be forgotten. It was just my old plywood boat, the 75 Johnson, an electric choke. A young boy, two hands on the wheel. I can't replace the way it made me feel, and I would take her white knife, make her whine. He said, You can't beat the way an old boat rides. Just little leg across the crinella side, but I was king of the ocean when daddy let me drive. Just an old half ton, short bed four. My uncle bought new when 64. Daddy was wild for the engine was smoking. A couple burnt baths and he had her going. He'd let me drive her, we'd haul off a load. Down dirt strip where we done crash up pick and roll. I'd sit in the street with my feet out to the pedals, smiling like a hero that just received these medal. It was just an old hand-me-down fort with three speed on a column and a dent in the door. A young boy, two hands on the wheel. I can't replace the way it made me feel, and I would take her left hand, keep her right. He say, a little slower, son, you're doing just fine. Just a dirt track with trash on each side, but I was Dickie Johnson when Dad let me drive. Oh, he let me drive. Yeah, he let me drive. Oh, he let me drive. I'm all grown up now, three daughters of my own. I let them drive my old Jeep across the pasture at our home. Maybe one day they'll reach back in their file and pull out that old memory and think of me and smile and say, it was just an old worn out Jeep with rusty old floorboards hot on my feet. A young girl, two hands at the wheel. 
I can't replace the way it made me feel. And he'd say, steer it left and then, steer it right. He'd say, straighten up, girl, you're doing just fine. Just a little valley by the river where we ride. But I was high on a mountain when Dad let me drive. Oh, he let me drive. Yeah, he let me drive. Oh, he let me drive. Yeah, he let me drive. Thank you. How good's that? Well done, bud. Thank you, mate. Thank you so much for that. Um, all i got to say to you, Donnie, is you're an awesome human. Thanks, mate, brother. You're one too. Thanks, Brett. Cheers, mate. Grandpa, what's this picture here? It's all black and white. It ain't real clear. Is that you there? He said, yeah, I was 11. You see, times are tough. Back in 35, that's me and Uncle Joe. Just trying to survive a cotton farm. Great Depression. Well, if it looks like we were scared to death, like a couple of kids just trying to save each other, you should have seen it in color. And this one's taken overseas in the middle of hell in 1943, the wintertime. You can almost see my prayers. And that was my tail gunner, old Johnny McGee. He was a high school teacher from New Orleans. And he had my back until the day we left. Well, if it looks like we were scared to death, like a couple of kids just trying to save each other, you should have seen it in color. Betcher's worth a thousand words, but you can't see what those shades of gray keep covered. You should have seen it in color. Should have seen it in color. This one is my favorite one. This is me and Grandma in the summer sun all dressed up. The day you made our vows You can't tell right here But it was hot that June the Roses were red and her eyes were blue And just look at that smile I was so proud That's the story of my life Right there in black and white And if it looks like we were scared to death Like a couple of kids just trying to save each other You should have seen it in color A picture's worth a thousand words But you can't see what those shades of gray keep covered You should have seen it in color Should have seen it in color. Should have seen it in color. Should have seen it in color. <laughs>